Well, I am here with my uh, brand new friend, the Reverend Dr. Carolyn Scanlon Holmes, but she says I can just call her Carolyn. Uh, pastor Carolyn is the lead pastor at the Garden Community Church in Indianapolis. Uh, she studied music at Butler and then got involved with Brian Duran somehow at St. Luke's. I did. Um, I was there. I witnessed the love story unfold between him and Cheryl. It was beautiful. It really is, was. Is that in here? No, it isn't. Oh, that's too bad. Long before Noah and Ella. Oh, that's beautiful. so sweet. Uh, the, the email you sent said that Brian was a part of your good old days. The good old days in ministry. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I'll just share this one thing and then I'll get out of your way. Carolyn told me a little bit earlier that um, she thinks her mom watches Brian Duran's sermons online more than she watches your own. It's absolutely true. Well, the good news is Brian's gone. That's right. She doesn't have a choice this morning. Good morning, Mom. <laughs> Give it up for Reverend Dr. Carolyn Scadlin Holmes. Wow. What an absolute gift to be in a congregation that is just as vibrant today. I don't know how vibrant you were before the, the pandemic but you're vibrant this morning, and I give God thanks for being here with you. And I also want to thank you for supporting uh, Brian and Cheryl in a time of sabbatical. Uh, it certainly is something, uh, a gift, not only to Brian from Lily or this whatever, whoever gives them all that money and you, uh, but also for you as well. It gives you an opportunity as well as a community of faith to continue to explore where God is calling next. So uh, I think it's wonderful. So tomorrow would have been Martin Luther King's 93rd birthday. King was not only a man with a dream for equity for all people, but he also had an incredible faith in God. Incredible faith in a God who was able. He would often use the text we're going to use and look at today as a source of encouragement when he was down and out. His reminder, no matter what was going on in the world, that God is able if we are willing. Uh, the reading today is actually a prayer that, that Paul sent to the church at Ephesus as a source of encouragement. It was a source of encouragement for King in the Montgomery bus boycott in 1956. And I think it's also a source of encouragement for we as people who are struggling with this strange new land that we've lived in for the last couple of years. Let's go ahead and take a look at this text from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For this reason, I deal before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with, uh, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think that's a great text to go with this amazing song that we just heard. To dream an impossible dream. I went ahead and, and put the words on a slide for you. To, to uh, beat an unbeatable foe. To bear uh, with unbearable sour, sorrow. I mean, he goes on and on about what an impossible dream is. But there's one thing in there that I think goes well with the text. We have a God who is able, but we also have to be willing. It goes on to say, without question or pause, or to fight for a right without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. It's to be willing, to be willing. That's the verb there, right? That's the movement, to be willing. Now that song, wow, so beautifully, he's disappeared. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right, he said he has to go rehearse. I wish that guy would do a little something around here. That's amazing, wow. Okay, anyway, so uh, the songs and the lyrics and, and the melody of that song made it so very popular. In fact, it was an instant classic when it arrived on Broadway. There was something about the words that called out the heroic spirit and, and all of us to commit to something bigger than ourselves, to dream impossible dreams. And for us, for a God who is able, and all we have to do is be willing. Dreams are one of the most fascinating and mystifying aspects of sleep. Since Sigmund Freud helped draw attention to the potential importance of dreams in the 19th century, and since, dreams have become an important part of the landscape of our medical world, our spiritual world, and our personal lives. Freud once said, the interpretation of dreams is the royal road to knowledge of the unconscious activities of the mind. In other words, for Freud, our dreams served as a catalyst to us gaining a deeper understanding of life. Since the days of Freud, considerable research has done to work through uh, not only the neuroscience and psychology of dreams, but also it's becoming popular in the spiritual world as well, in the Christian spiritual world. Yet despite all of these advancements, there is a lot that remains unknown about our dreams. Even the most fundamental question, why do we dream, is still a subject or for significant debate. I mean, we all have dreams all the time. Our brains are constantly going, whether we're awake or we're asleep. So by all means, we are bound to dream. It's simple science. But just because there's science going on up there doesn't mean that there can't be spirituality at play as well. We are both people of science and people of spirit, natural and supernatural. And if God wants to break through our lives, God who is able will do so in any way that God can. We see it throughout the Hebrew Bible. 
God interceding through dreams. All throughout the Bible, there are dreams, right? From the book of Genesis, God comes to people in dreams. Perhaps one of the most famous was turned into yet another musical, Abraham's son. His name was Joseph, and he was part of this uh, incredible clan of people, 12 tribes, and uh, they turned this in, it turned it into an incredible musical that not only taught us about dreams, but it's also a musical that teaches us, teaches us about accountability and honesty. It teaches us about family and the importance of loving one another. In Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, there's a story far beyond the dream, but it's the dream that runs the storyline. Dreams are commonplace for conversations with God throughout Scripture, but not all of these dreams have made it into Broadway musicals. There's one with Nebuchadnezzar. He once had a dream that was so supernatural that he refused to tell anybody what it was, but he wanted other people to tell him what the dream was and to interpret the dream for him without sharing the dream with anybody. So he called his mystics, his enchanters, his sorcerers, and he would say to them, now tell me what my dream was. And they would say, okay, well, give me a little bit of it. And he would say, no. No one could interpret the dream. They became a little nervous because Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what, unless somebody can interpret this dream, I'm going to tear you limb by limb. Well, there was one guy who was willing to interpret the dream. His name was Daniel. And he was not a guy who worked for some supernatural source that we didn't understand. No, he was a prophet, a prophet of Yahweh. And what, what it says in Daniel is, the thing that the king asked for is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not in flesh, is what the sorcerers said. But for Daniel, it was a little different. Daniel said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And that's what he ended up saying to Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what, well, how they started to roll together to build a relationship where they were able to interpret this dream to the point where Nebuchadnezzar kind of became a person of faith. He had this evolving theology throughout his uh, reign. And uh, he ends up finally saying, truly, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. The whole story ends with Yahweh's supernatural servants in Babylon. Do you remember those guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They all end up in that fiery furnace. It would make a great musical, wouldn't it? And, uh, but in the end, they're all given positions of authority. And why? Because God was able, and they were willing to listen to a dream. Oh, yes, the Hebrew Bible is filled with impossible dreams, but the New Testament is as well. I mean, we just finished a season full of dreamers, didn't we? Yes, Advent and Christmas, the story of dreamers. Joseph's, uh, Joseph, earthly father of Jesus, had a dream after his soon-to-be bride had her own daydream that kind of freaked him out a little bit. The wise men had a dream that had them switch up their camel GPS and return home another way so they wouldn't have to encounter Herod. When you take time to read Revelation, if you ever had, do it. 
As you read it, you might think, gee, this is a pretty bad dream when it comes down to it. I mean, in there, on the island of Patmos, John has this big old dream with four-headed monsters and armies and chaos and Jesus, Jesus, yielding a sword. In it, there's earthquakes and famine and evil. Woo, what a musical. But you know what else is in there? There's a holy city. And there's a place where we can live in milk and honey and in the presence of God. There is a time when God will wipe away every tear. So friends, from start to finish, the Bible is filled with impossible dreams. You find them there and you find them throughout history as well. My question today, though, is what about you? What about you? What impossible dreams do you have? I mean, you live in the land of dreamers. I mean, it took a dream for this to happen, right? It took a dream for that guy to land there and say, one step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Okay, so it not only took a dream, but it took a lot of work as well to make that dream reality. We got to the moon because someone committed not just to the dream, but to a deadline. I love this quote from Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein had a quote that once talked about achieving your impossible dreams or great achievements. He said, you need a plan and not quite enough time. I love that. It's so true, right? And the truth about life is we've all got really good at these deadlines and commitment dreams. I mean, when it comes to dreaming up and making great advancements in life, we are living the reality today. I mean, think about it. Consider information technology. At one point, we only dreamed of being able to talk to someone who wasn't sitting right next to us. And then that dream grew and it grew and it grew. And today we are this amazing global community. And we can actually participate in community with people all across the world who don't necessarily speak the language, same language. But we can be present and share together in life. That is pretty amazing. Now, my husband is British. And we met in the United States at, at St. Luke's, actually, around the same time I met Brian a number of years ago. And I have to tell you, he went back to England after that. And if it weren't for this platform called Skype, chances are we would not be married. I mean, we were ministers. We didn't have enough money to communicate in any way. And this thing called Skype gave us the ability to, to date from 5,000 miles away. It gave us the ability to get to know one another. And here now, 10 years later, most days, I would say like 94.7% of the time, we're both very, very happy <laughs> about Skype. Yes, we live in a world where we have become masters at making our dreams reality when it comes to technology. And I do believe that God continues to work through science and medicine and the arts in dreams and in ways that are advancing our lives incredibly. But there's one area that I believe we're not having the same success. See, we've become so good at communicating apart from one another that we really have a hard time being present with one another. Right here, right now, 
in the dream that is right now. And it's been made more complicated, hasn't it? I mean, for two years, we've been shut up in our houses. And then when we get together, we get to wear these masks. And then not only that, but we have to be six feet apart. We are having a problem with being present with one another and living in the present dream. In a TED Talk entitled, The Dream We Haven't Dared to Dream, author and activist and entrepreneur Dan Pallotta notes that when we followed our dream to the moon and we celebrated that mission, we forgot the challenges we left in the wake. I never knew this until I watched this and then did a little research after. In the Gemini, Mercury, and Apollo programs, there were 30 different astronauts, all married when they entered the program. After the program was over, only seven of those marriages survived. Not only that, but there was an incredible case of depression that was never reported on, and also alcoholism. Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk, asked us all to consider at the time of Apollo, what can we gain by sailing to the moon if we are not able to cross the abyss that separates us from ourselves. In many ways, I believe it is easier to grasp that giant leap for mankind rather than that smaller step. And I think in the last few years, that smaller step has become more difficult. Oh, don't get me wrong. I believe God is excited about the advancements that come with science and technology. But I would imagine that God still wonders why it's so hard for us to have a heartfelt conversation with the person who sits right next to us. We have a God who is able, and we are willing to take giant leaps. I think it's the small steps that we have trouble with. Case in point, I believe God loves the United Methodist Church. But I also believe that God wonders why we continue to face this challenge around securing a place for all of God's children in the community. This has become a big leap for us. I mean, we're talking about splitting because of issues of LGBTQ. We're talking about all kinds of things and forgetting about the little steps. The further apart we get, the more we lose sight of what it means to have impossible dreams as United Methodist. We learn to take small steps before we can take giant leaps. A number of years ago, when I was at St. Luke's United Methodist Church, I worked with a group of people. It was called Reach Out, and it was an LGBTQ ministry. I received an email one time from a woman right about this time of year that said she was interested in knowing more about the program. It just so happened that I got that email right around the same time we were having a big Super Bowl party. So I gave her a call and I said, hello, Norma, my name is Carolyn and I'm the minister who works with Reach Out and I want to invite you to a Super Bowl party. And she said, you do? And I said, I do. And she said, well, I don't want to go to a Super Bowl party. <laughs> That was the start of a beautiful relationship. She went on to share with me that her son was gay. 
and that her son lived in New York City, and that he was so successful. Like any mother, she shared how incredibly proud she was of her son. But in a conversation with someone else at a luncheon, she discovered that there was someone else's son who did not have the same experience with his mother. In that same conversation, she discovered that there was a grandmother who wouldn't even talk to her granddaughter anymore because of what her granddaughter was going through with her new sexual identity. She said, I didn't say anything in the moment, but I came home and I prayed about it. And then God said to me, Norma, you got to open your door and you got to start loving people. So she said, I'm not gay. I just want to love some gay people. Can you get me some gay people to love, Carolyn? <laughs> From that day forth, Norma became a beautiful being in this congregation. Whenever there was anybody, and I don't care if they were gay or whatever, when there was anybody who was down and out, I would say, you need to go see Norma. And when you got to her house, she would open her door and she'd say, get in here. And then she'd feed you. I was like a size nine when I met Norma. <laughs> she would feed you, she would love you, and she would take care of you. That was Norma's ministry for a number of years. I don't know if Norma ever went to the conference meetings. I don't know if Norma, I don't even know where she stood on the issue for the church. But I know what impossible dream God called her to. And she lived it. And a God who was able, with a woman who was willing, did an amazing thing. When Norma passed away, the place was filled. Filled with people. The stories of how she was the very first person who let them know that they were loved by God without condition. Person after person after person. And you know how she did that? One conversation at a time. One bowl of chili at a time. And oh Lord, she did it beautifully. Too often our dreams become these compartmentalized fixations on some future that's yet to be out there. And when that happens, it destroys our ability to be present with one another in our lives right now. Our dreams of a better life after COVID, our dreams of a time when we can get back to no normal or when we have time or when it's safe. Well, when we live like that, we lose sight of the powerful possibilities right now. When we spend most of our lives looking down at our phone, texting someone else, or emailing, or tweeting, or TikToking, well, oftentimes we miss the beautiful human being who is sitting right next to us in that very moment. When we spend time noticing who's not here at church today, we lose time with those who are here today. Not someplace else. Not FaceTime. Not I got a call. No, the person who is in this space with you right now. There is a person in this very room right now who is longing for connection. 
Now, some might say, well, this is the, that's the price of progress. Really? Is it really? I mean, I'm still amazed that we have all those statistics from the moon landing that never really made it out into the world. Are we willing to go to the moon for the sacrifice of our family? We find great success in business, but oftentimes we do it with this addiction to work, and oftentimes we do it at, at the, the suffering of our children. See, I'm not really sure that's making great advancements in the world. I wonder, can we do both? What if we, as a people of faith, set the dream bar higher for living in relationship with one another right now? Now, it's true. Communication technology is growing at an amazing rate. But do you know what else? Studies show that our ability to listen to one another has not grown at all. That our ability to understand one another is not growing at all. In fact, we've become a world where we talk at each other and not necessarily with each other. Another statistic that drives me nuts is, yes, we continue to advance in technology, but people enjoying life and experiencing joy is a little stagnant. Friends, a God who is able is talking to us, a people who are willing we have a God who is able. The text tells us that we are rooted and established in love. We have the power, together with all of God's holy people, to grasp this amazing thing. Christ's love, it's wide and it's deep and it's long. This love that surpasses any science and knowledge in the world. A love that will help us Fill this world beyond measure with a God who is able to love us no matter what. Friends, I'm talking about an audacious authenticity that allows us to cry with one another, to be present with one another in our pain, and to share our weaknesses and our shame. To be present with one another. I know. I heard it. You are good at helping people in trouble. I heard it here. You have a gift for changing circumstances for people. I hear it. I hear you care. What's going to make your church grow is what happens right here in your ability to care for one another, in your ability to be present with one another in the pain. Jesus calls us to a heroic humility with one another. In this very place, don't take your mask off, but Jesus calls you to take your mask off and to be real with one another. To not frantically try to solve the problems of the world, but to simply be present with one another. We as people of faith could learn a lot from science and technology. Just as we figured out how to make it to the moon and the circuits we needed for phones and all that science and medicine, we as faithful people should not shrink from the opportunity that has been presented to us right now. Yes, perhaps Brian and I cried in our beers last night a little bit. Did I say that? Over the fact 
that the church is not in the best condition, friends. The church is not. I, Brian didn't drink a beer, everybody. <laughs> he did not. Nor did I. But in any case, we sat last night. We had the same story. What the pandemic has done to the church. What the pandemic is doing to the United Methodist Church. But what we gotta do is we gotta realize that we have a deadline here. We gotta figure out how to take care of one another. We gotta figure out how to take care of this amazing institution called the United Methodist Church that I love and I hate all at the same time. We gotta do it right here, right now, and it's not giant leaps. It's tiny, tiny steps. We all know this place has become pretty comfortable. That place was comfortable, and now this place is comfortable. I went to the wrong place this morning and sat there for 15 minutes. Just keep that in mind with the next person who's coming. You tell us, we read the emails, but we don't pay attention. a comfortable place, right? We love the music. We love our people. I got my peeps at church that I love. I love, I love, I love. But there is a great prophet and his name is Bob Dylan who said, the times they are a-changing. The one thing that this COVID thing has done is it's helped us to realize how much we need each other. After a couple of years apart, sure, technology helps, but it's not the spirit that's in this very room. Be mindful that our time away uh, never gave someone the opportunity to walk in. It gave somebody the opportunity to walk out. And while I become quite comfortable watching the TV in my own service at home, with my coffee and my jammies. I watch my sermons, mother. In any case, <laughs> I enjoy that. I enjoy that. But there's something about sharing in a spiritual place, listening in the same place, and being present with whatever it is that God is bringing to this moment between us right now. Now, don't hear me saying that in order to be the church, you have to be here. I'm not saying that. I do know and believe safety first. But when I'm, what I am saying is last week when we met to determine if our church was going to stay in person, if we were going to go back online, if we were going to do this, we were going to do that, I started envisioning myself in pajamas with coffee saying, I think that's a pretty good idea. But then I realized I'm still going out to dinner. I'm still living my life. Why should my church be any different than the rest of my life? If I can live safely out there, I can live safely in here. And please, if you're not here, I think that's amazing. But let's not live by one set of the rules out there and a different set of rules in here. Let's take some tiny steps. Let's dream big with some tiny steps. I pray that there is some way that you can share in community and have a dream to make this world a better place 
because God put you here or God put you at home. That dream starts by not only asking one another, what's your dream? But how about asking somebody, what's your broken dream? What's your impossible dream? What did you want to do with your life that hasn't really happened? What would happen if we got real with one another in answering that question? Maybe, maybe what you would hear in this room is someone say, my dream is I just want to stay sober. My dream is I just want to be with my grandkids. My dream is I want to overcome this pain I have around my grandson being gay and just love him. But my history tells me that isn't right. Those are the conversations that lead to us being connected to a God who is able right here, right now. Maybe today, instead of going to the people you chat up every week at church, go to the person who's alone and ask them, want to talk later today? Or you want to grab a cup of coffee? Or just be with them. Don't fix it. Just be with one another. Imagine living in and sharing in a church where we simply recognize that our impossible dreams are realized as we sit by one another in our homes and in our community. As we sit faithful and fearful, happy and sad, angry and joy-filled, we are humans called to take care of one another right now. Because a God who is able has given you the resource you need right now. It's right here. It's not in your purse. It's not in your checkbook. It's not any place else but right here. Oftentimes when people ask me how I'm doing, I say, I'm living the dream. It's so interesting to me how people respond to that. Most often it's sarcasm, right? Oh, yeah, good for you, living the dream. <laughs> what if we really were living the dream of a God who was able? What if we were willing to dream with a God who is able? Right here, right now, today. I um, have this song that I like to sing during the the January time to remind me of the importance of you. I'm going to sing it for you now. If today were the last of all days Would it change how you feel who you are? Would you rise for the moment above all your fears Become one with the moon stars Would you like what you see looking down Did you give everything that you could Have you done everything that you wanted to do Is there still so much more that you would Follow dreams to the end of the rainbow where 
to the colors around you and find the true beauty life holds. Would you live for each moment like when you were young and time didn't travel so fast? Be free in the present enjoying the now not tied to a future or past follow your dreams to the end of the rainbow way beyond one pot of gold open your eyes to the colors around you find the truth and deep we cannot fathom it step into our lives right here right now fill our hearts with your dreams help us to be present with one another to simply live together in the power of love then then impossible dreams will become reality. Amen. <laughs>